0: Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast.
1: Hello, ciao, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, ni mahaben, namaste, and shalom. Welcome to Export Stories 2022 and this, our cybersecurity episode. I'm your host, Betsy Olam, and I've been anxious to have this discussion. Um, You know, as exporters, we love the freedom and adventure of doing business all over the world. We're also realistic about the fact that we need to be vigilant and protect our companies from the risks that exist in cyberspace. Well, I found just the right person to help us explore this topic. His name is Danny Mizrahi. His company is Contango, and he joins us from New York. Hello, Danny. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, it's great for us too. So um, first things first, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself by telling us a little bit about your background.
2: I'm sure. Um, So I'm a almost 40-year-old based in uh, Manhattan, uh, New York, New York. So nice they say it twice, right? (laughs) Um, And I have three kids on the Upper East Side um seven-year-old five-year-old and yesterday now three-year-old wow. um yeah and so we're having fun in the city that never sleeps um but it's probably not because of the city it's probably because of the uh, small children <laughs>
0: um and
2: um yes yeah, so I, I i own a, a pair of companies you can kind of see the logos behind me um but um uh, my it company is called contango it and i've had that go and found you know, over 10 years, um, mostly focused on you know, day-to-day IT support, managed services, CTO work, CIO work, network engineering work. Um, and we're a nationwide you know, support company. Um, we are winners of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies in uh, America award and a couple other pretty cool awards about our growth where we are obsessed with growth. It's our first core values to stay in contango. It's about always improving. Um, and then I have another company I'm the managing director for DRC. Um, V-R-S-E-E, it's a cybersecurity compliance company, Um, and that's really focused on compliance all day, every day, Um, you know, everything from ISO 27001, SOC 2, HIPAA, GDPR, privacy, we do a lot of penetration testing, certified ethical hacking, risk assessments, and, you know, fun stuff like that, so we have about 100 people between the two companies.
1: Okay, and, and we will g- talk about compliance in a few minutes, but um, thank you for that introduction. Um Yeah, I, I think the name Contango is interesting, and I wonder if you could tell our listeners how you came up with that name.
2: Um, sure, so um, it's an interesting story. Um, so when I was 13 years old, I got kicked out of my third summer camp. um i was not a summer camp kind of kid um hated it and my parents kept sending me back which uh now as a parent i know exactly why um you know having the summers off seems seems pretty amazing um so uh but that last one you know basically my dad said um you know if you're not going to go to camp then you got to work um so he was a a trader and and he put me as a as a runner um, for one of his brokers in the pits you know where everyone's screaming buy sell you know basically and this was a long time ago. You know, this was what 20, 30 years ago, I think. At this point, and um, almost uh, a long time ago, I can't even count anymore. But um, so you know, basically, um, you know, they, uh, they, they, it was just like the movies. You know, animals screaming, yelling, punching, kicking, and I was just running back and forth between the pits and the and and the and the uh, and the booths. You know, with trade slips and whatnot. And, And, you know, I I knew I was never going to be in that industry, but there was I was reading this pamphlet and they talked about this thing called the Tango expression, And it meant that the future price of a commodity was higher than the spot or the current price. And to me, that meant the future is higher than the present. And um, that became my AOL screen name. If uh, Uh I'm showing my age a little bit, if you remember AOL. Oh, Um, AOL. So that was my AOL screen name. And when we had a band, it was my band name. And. And then fast forward 20 years later, or whatever it was, 15, I don't even know, um, years later, um, you know, it's time to start the company. I still believe that the future is higher than the present. Um, you know, and that's what we strive for. That's our first core value, constant improvement. And uh, so, you know, that's the name, that's where the name came from, Contango.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right, I just liked it. And I wanted people to know what it's about. So let's just get right into the topic of today what are some of the most important things that a company needs to do to protect itself?
2: So um, I do a lot of speaking and seminars on this, and there really is a very short list of must-have IT, you know, solutions for every single business, every single business. those doesn't matter if you're one person mm-hmm. or a thousand people, et cetera. Um, and that must-have IT list is very similar with the, uh, you know, what I would call like compliance one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so what are some of those things? Well, the first two are the most important and, and would prevent probably 95% of threats. Um, the first one is called phishing and security awareness training. And um, it's called security awareness training, but it's basically every person in the organization has to watch videos and take tests on what phishing is, what spoofing is, what's a real website, what's a fake website. So they should watch these videos. These are all, like for our clients, it's automated, right? They they watch the videos, they take the test, we have a dashboard, who did it, who didn't do it, right? Um, And then on top of that, your IT company should be setting up what's called a campaign where, for example, all of our clients and all of their end users get an email every two weeks at a totally random time. Every person, each person gets an email at a random time Mm -hmm. and it has a phishing attempt or a spoofing attempt or some way to try to get their password or some way to get them to click on something. Right. And unfortunately people click on this stuff all the time. Um, and they go to the websites and they put in their passwords and all these things happen. And there's nothing more important than teaching them, you know, through those means. Right. Because that right. is how all these things are happening. It's all right. user, you know, it's called social engineering. Right. Right. So, you know, some, some businesses do it once and they're like, Oh, we did it. Everyone's knows. Right. But you have to make it part of your part of your you know, like in New York, security. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, in, in New York, sexual harassment training is mandatory, right? Right. Okay. So you make it. You make sex. You know, anti-sexual harassment part of your day-to-day, right? Everyone right. needs to understand those things. Right. Well, so this is the same. You know, you have to make this part of your day-to-day verbiage, part of your your you know right. weekly discussions is not falling for hacks, right? Right. So that's number one. Number two, I would say, is definitely two-factor authentication. Um, you're probably familiar where you get like a code to log into your email. You get a code to log into your files, right? Um, Right. Certainly the banks enforce it. The credit cards enforce it, right? Well, it's the same idea for your email. It's the same idea for your files, the same idea for anything business related, right?
1: Yeah.
2: So so making sure that's set up and and mandatory, right? So most of the businesses that we take over, they say they do it, but then you go to the dashboard where their email is and their files and stuff like that. And you'll see, they tried to do it once, but sometimes the new users didn't set it up. Sometimes the old users waived it, right? Yeah. But, but that's not how it works. You just make it mandatory. That's it. It's All on right. or it's off and that's it, right? right. So, so that's a big thing. Um, now, the other, those are the big two. I'll tell mm-hmm. you right now, if you do those two, like I'm, I'm, I'm really happy, right? After that, there's a couple other ones that are really important are also mandatory in terms of every, almost every compliant, basically every state has a privacy policy. Right. So basically everyone in the United States has compliance requirements. And then if you have PII, what's called personal identifiable information like date of birth, social security numbers, and, and in some places like Europe, a phone number is considered PII also, personal identifiable information. Right. Um, but, but pretty much everyone has compliance requirements these days. And if you didn't get the requirement from governance, you definitely got it from your insurance company, right? Because the insurance companies are sending these renewals and the renewals say you have to do all these things also. So, so definitely the first two. Now the other ones, you know, the next one I would say is the monitoring and patching of the machines, right? Making sure all the machines have patches. Now, what are patches? You're probably familiar with like Windows updates, right?
1: Right, so, you know well, you I'm have an Apple guy, person, girl. Okay. But- but yes, yeah. I remember but, Microsoft,
2: yes. Yeah, but, but Apple has updates too. Oh, um, sure, you have sure. to restart okay. your computer to put the updates in. So that's called patching, right? Okay. So what, what is patching, right? The reason you have to install those updates, those patches, those security patches, right? Yeah. Is because the latest threat is the latest patch, right? Right. So, right. so there's new threats and then the companies, the computer companies, and it's not just the, the operating system, Apple. It's right. also Adobe, Microsoft Office. These they they there's vulnerabilities that need to be patched or updated. Right. So having the IT company manage all of the patching and the security and you know for example if let's say um, let's say we have a, a client that hasn't you know someone hasn't installed the security patch in seven days or something right?
1: Right. Right. We
2: have alerts where someone from my help desk will call them and say, hey, um, you, you know we need you to. Um, uh, restart your computer. I'm sorry to bother you, but you got to restart your computer and get those patches in, right? Because right. we, we say with antivirus and with, with, with now it's called endpoint detection and response, and I'll get to that next, but because right. we don't even do antivirus anymore. We only do EDR, endpoint detection and response. So in those solutions, same thing with firewalls, you're only as good as your last patch or update. Wait, like I can said, you go
1: back just for a minute and define, what did you say, EDR? Just define that for us. Yeah,
2: so, so you'll see on the insurance forms when you do your renewals, antivirus mm-hmm. isn't on there anymore. It used to say, um, do you have antivirus on your computers? Right. The insurance forms don't say that anymore. Now it says, do you have endpoint detection and response? And now why does it say that, right? Okay. Have you heard of, you've, you've heard of CryptoLocker and ransomware, right, where your files right. get locked, right? So, right? so what happened was, is that the, the small business owner or any business owner would call the insurance company and say, hey, I got CryptoLocker. I need you to, to, to pay the Bitcoin so I could get my, my files back. Now, the insurance companies are spending $50,000 a pop, right? Wow. But the premiums are only five grand, right? So the insurance wow. companies were losing so much money in crypto locker and ransomware. Okay. So now they said, we can't do that anymore. We have to have endpoint detection and response, right? So what is that? What's the difference? So it, it, Of course, it has antivirus. It has right. antivirus in it. It's like antivirus on steroids. But what endpoint detection and response has is what's called ransomware rollback. So if you get ransomware, it can turn the computer back, let's say, half an hour, hour yesterday,
1: whatever oh, it is,
2: okay. to put the computer how it was before the event,
1: Okay. right? Okay. So,
2: so that's why now none of our clients have antivirus. They all have endpoint detection and response because not only is it mandatory from insurance perspectives, but it's also the right thing to do. It's the right okay. thing to have, right? All right. So, so between the patching and the endpoint detection and response, and having a dashboard that see all these things real time, yeah, you know that's really important for you know what we would call must have. And by the way, these things are not expensive. Yeah, they're they're fairly inexpensive actually. It just needs to be okay. turned on and needs to be watched, right? Right,
1: right. right. So okay, um, I want to so go. So those back are to
2: the some... top four. But go ahead.
1: Okay. No. 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 Well. Um, uh, Yeah, I want to go back to a couple of things that you were talking about. Number one, I I came across an interesting uh, security, uh, you know, code thing, you know, with a bank the other day where they send you the code, the second step, you know, and the code changed like every couple of seconds or something, which I thought was very cool, you know, so that you had to hop on it and get that code in or sure, you know, sure. change yeah tell that's me, the uh think about
2: that yeah it's great i mean i have one for one of my banks um yeah. now you know one of my other banks they use my phone but they yeah. use my phone with biometrics it has to be my fingerprint so yeah. you know there's there's eye you know scanners for for iris you know a uh, biometrics. um so I, to to be honest, I don't really care which one you use. It just needs to have a second layer of authentication, right? Okay. right. You know, because at the end of the day, we really do need to make sure it's not just your password. Because I mean, so I have access to the dark web, and I do these presentations all the time. Um, did I run your dark web report? I forgot.
1: Oh, when we uh, were on the
2: call before, I don't remember if I did. No, for you. no, no, no,
1: no. No, but, so, uh,
2: so we we could we could maybe do it a, a, a real time. How long have you had your email?
1: I'm not going to tell
2: everyone on this the the yeah your Olim International. How long have you had that email for?
1: As long as I've had this company, which is uh, 1997.
2: Okay. All right. So
1: you're you scaring me. You're yeah. Scared so I'm not me.
2: gonna I'm not gonna tell you you know your password. Um, so. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to tell you your passwords in a second, but um, I'm not going to say them out loud, obviously. But what I'll do is, is this being recorded on video or is it just podcast?
1: No, it's, it's a podcast. It's all Okay.
2: All right, cool. So what I'll do is I'll put it in the chat, you know, and what you could do is you could tell your uh, your, your listeners, um, and now no guarantees, but if you've had your email that long, I'm sure I'm going to tell you your password. But the, the bottom line is, there's almost everyone's passwords are on the dark web um, because most people use the same password everywhere, right? So they use oh, it here oh, I, and they I, use it there. I,
1: I do try to use very long, complicated ones. We have a, what do you call, we have a, a uh, we, someone that, you know, tells us regularly that we, you know, so this was seen on the dark web, that was seen on the dark web, that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, I do try to have.
2: I like some of your, I like some of your long ones. I'm reading them now. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, so, so this one was one that came up uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six times. So you could, I mean, I don't know if that means anything to you, but it looks like it's a, uh, it came up a whole lot. Did that one come up a couple of times? I mean, if you, maybe it's an old one. Did you ever use that one?
1: I don't remember that one, but.
2: Oh, interesting. But That's I have a
1: whole, I have a, a past, I have a huge book. Of password. I don't use the same password and
2: here here was another no, one an that came up. One. That's an yeah, old that's, one. Okay. So yeah. you know there's a couple in here, but the point is, as you could see, some people use old ones again and use the right. same yeah. ones everywhere,
1: right? Yeah, yeah the listen point is, listen to yeah. Danny people. <laughs> don't do that. Have a, a unique one for every different is it's a pain in the neck, but actually there are programs sure, that sure. on your phone that should that you save your passwords. And it helps you come up with like really long, complex passwords, but you don't have to remember them all the time, right? You know what I'm talking about?
2: Uh, Yeah, like LastPass or 1Password or, you know, some of those tools. And and I'm okay with those, you know, same issue, right? You got to have two-factor authentication set up for that password solution, right? Yeah. Um not a huge fan of all your eggs in one basket, but for convenience purposes, it is important to, uh, to do that. And, and, and they are good tools. It's better, better those than, you know, certainly using the same password everywhere. But, but even then two-factor authentication has to be set up everywhere. Right. You, know, you know, this was just the one small example, but you right. know, you gotta, you know, imagine, you know, you're, you're, you have your business and, 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 you know, but imagine you have a hundred employees. Imagine 10 of them you know, are in the accounting you know process, right? right Bookkeeper, right. CFO, controller, right? right. You know, so we see it all the time, and um, and of course, I could give you tons of examples of things that I've seen, you know, in terms of hacks and whatnot. But so and we'll th- talk so that about would be... some.
1: We'll talk about some because it's good. Sure, to be... sure. Yeah. But so
2: so we covered. Ahead. Yeah, we covered the top four, I'd say. Um, you know, encrypted messaging would be you know kind of five and six, and you know basically all data being encrypted. Um, not just for security purposes, but certainly for compliance purposes. Um, you know, what happens is, is you know, if you have private data, it's supposed to be encrypted. If you have laptops, they're supposed to be encrypted. You know, I'll give you a good example. Most people don't, you know, most laymen, and I don't blame them. Most laymen don't really understand this, but like, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, most people think that their username and password on their computer means that the computer is secure. Right. Which is, you know, in, in our world, it's kind of, you know, ironic, right? Because let's say I took your laptop and yeah, there's a username, username and password on it. But if I take out that hard drive and I plug it into a computer, I'm just going to look at the data if the computer is not encrypted. Right. right. So it's so hard. if the hard drive, if the hard drive's not encrypted specifically. Right. right? So okay. so that that and you have to keep the hard, you know, the encryption right. code. Right. Like you have right. to manage those. Right. So these are all, you know, what we would say is, um what we call, uh, uh, you know, Compliance 101 and must-have IT. Um, and it, these are all like, for example, Mac and Windows, you know, uh, both have encryption as part of their solution. You don't have to pay more for that. It just okay. has to be set up and managed, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's not like these things cost money. It's just, it's just, you know, some people don't really know better. Right, right.
1: right. So uh, on my Mac, I have, uh... Uh, you know, fingerprint, Uh, I have to do my finger to open it. There's a pain in the neck, but I know it's good. Does uh, I'm not as familiar with Mac, uh, with the Windows anymore. Do they also offer, you know? Sure, it
2: depends on the hardware, but yes, yes, yes.
1: Okay, I was just curious. So, you know, a typical email that is confusing and uh, tempting are these ones that look like, it's the company and they want you to they say, you know, your passwords expiring or, so, you know, what are some examples that you've seen of of tempting emails that are really phishing, you know, emails that people fall for all the time? What are some some of those?
2: Oh, I would show my I would show my screen and show you. Um, but um, I'll tell you. Um, of we have about 100 people here and we do the campaign internally as well. And okay. the last two times that someone fell for these campaigns, guess who it was both times? You? Me. So, yeah, it was me. <laughs> so, so I'm pretty embarrassed. Um, but, but I will say um, it is often the C suite, um, you know, probably because we have egos and we're arrogant and stuff like that, right? right. Um, but, uh, uh But yeah, it was me both times. And the two that I fell for, one was a UPS cracking link that was just perfect. I mean, and by the way, when I fall for it, I click on it and it goes to a web page that basically says, luckily, we're the good guys. This is part of Contango's security training program. But this could have been ransomware. It could have been CryptoLocker. We could have locked your computer, right? Right. You know, locking the computer of someone in the C-suite could cost the business thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, a day. Right.
1: Absolutely.
2: Especially if I save files on it or this, that and the other thing. Obviously, we want people to save files in their in their file solution. But, you know, like, you know, everyone, a lot of people save important files on their desktop and they save it in their downloads folder and they forget to put it in the file drive. They forget to put it in Dropbox. Right. So I don't want my computer getting locked. So one of them was a UPS tracking email. That was perfect. The other one was a Venmo email. Um, If you're familiar with Venmo. Oh, absolutely. yeah, so it, it wasn't Venmo, it was Veno, V-E-N-N-O. V-E-N-N-O. <laughs> and that's what, that's what the training was on that one. On that one, I was okay. supposed to look at the, the URL and see that it was someone spoofing you know, Venmo, right? right? Or, right. Or, or change the name. So, because I've had clients, not clients, but I've had you know, vendors and, and you know, people that I work with, people on my LinkedIn get emails that look like they're coming from me and instead of saying contangoit.com, it says contangoiit.com,
1: ah. right?
2: An extra I, right? So so these hackers are literally buying the domains, buying yes. the websites of similar company sounds, right? And right. using those to try to fit, right? So what they'll do, they did this to my, my controller. So they emailed my controller from me saying, hey, I need you to send me this wire right now. I need it for an important deal I'm working on, right? Oh, dear. Luckily, my controller is trained, uh, obviously better than me, um, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, she replied and said, excuse me, I'm just, I'm coming off a cold if you hear me. Uh, no, it's know. okay. So she he replied right away and said, uh, actually, she did what I didn't want her to do. Which was he started messing with the guy? Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell me where to send the wire. I can't uh, wait to send it. You know what? I'll double it, right? Yeah. So I was like, no, don't do that. Just, just put throw it to spam, right? You know. So, yeah. uh, but yeah. you know, but sometimes we have a little fun with it. Although probably we shouldn't. We want We don't want a bigger target on our backs than you know we already have, right? Right. So um, <clears throat> so anyway, you know, uh, uh, where was I going with this? Um, you know, there's, there's that's a perfect example of you know, what could happen and what to look for. So those are two examples of emails. Um, The other one is, you know, your bank or your credit card reset password, right? So they send it saying, you know, we've gotten a, uh, you tried to log in elsewhere, right? If it wasn't you, click here to reset your password, right? Right. And people see that and they're like, oh, it wasn't me. I better click on this and reset my password, right? So they go through that process right those so, you evil know,
1: people are so clever you know yeah, they're evil and clever and uh yeah and that's what gets us into trouble now like you said i i normally check the, the you know it'll say it's i'll get an email it'll say it's from olam international but anyway you click on it and it's some other foreign email from russia you know or dot ru or something so i always check what the actual email is you know that was said I guess that's pretty basic uh you know but uh no these these things that you're talking about are, are much more important and sophisticated um so it, something else you just mentioned about files on your computer right so how do you let's talk about that some more how do you protect You you have file folders on your computer. That's your, you know, the work that you've done. So what's the best way to protect that?
2: Um, well, I mean, there's a couple things here, right? So first and foremost, I mean, we don't really want any files on the the local computer, right? We want them in secure file drives, you know, whether that's Dropbox business, Google Drive business, OneDrive with Office 365. You know, we want them with enterprise solutions. We're still have a tons of clients with servers right okay and and not just for you know that reason security reasons but also for backup reasons right, right. you know that that's that's the other thing that we always talk about must have it we kind of didn't really finish the list but we could talk about this forever obviously but no, we no, always this, say, yeah you know, you know we always say backup is not the same as disaster recovery Right. People say I'm backed up. I'm backed up. I'm backed up. But that's not the same as disaster recovery. And how do I know? A lot of times I tell people um, they say, yeah, 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 my server's backed up. Right. And I say, OK, so let's let's play this, you know, unfortunate game together. God forbid, flood, fire, the server closet, the server room, everything disappears. Right. It's just totally gone. Right. right? Your office is inaccessible. The power is down. You're at home, but you have everything on the server. And yeah, everything's, quote unquote, backed up tell me how you're gonna start working that day or the next day, the latest, right? And they say, well, I guess I I gotta buy a server, right? And immediately I'm like, okay, so today, the lead time on a server is three months today, right? You can't buy a server for less than three months right now. When I used to give these presentations before COVID, it was two weeks, you know, get a server in two weeks, but because of supply chain and chip shortages and, you know, all these other things, right? You can't wow. get a, I mean, I just bought, we just ordered a server for a client, and the, the shipping time was three months, and I think he'll get it in around two and a half months. Maybe it'll come in a little early, right? Wow. And it wasn't a disaster, but yeah. he needed a new server. So, you know, we were like, we got to get ahead of this, right? So, right. And, and, and a good IT company, and not just us, but any good IT company, you know, is, is, you know, we do technology roadmaps for our clients. So we're way ahead of when we think they're going to need new equipment, right? Right. You know, some of the firewall equipment we like, you know, our favorite is Meraki by Cisco. Uh, that's eight months. There's no, more, there's no more ability to get those for eight months, right? So, um, so we actually don't even use them anymore because it's just that's not reliable, that's not current, right? So we actually switched the solution for our clients. We didn't want to, but we can't have an eight-month lead time. Right? So when that comes down, you know, we'd, we'd love to go back to our favorite products with the firewalls and, and the access points and stuff like that, right? So anyway, back to backup and disaster recovery. So, so backup means your data is elsewhere; it's protected, right? It's not. Right. It doesn't mean it's usable. It doesn't mean it's usable. It doesn't mean your business can function in the event of a flood or a fire okay. or disaster, right? Okay. So, when you say like, what's the best thing to do for your computers and this, that, and the other thing? I mean, you know, uh, I always tell people, you know, do you know what the uh, the the um, the odds or the chances of your hard drive crashing on your computer? You know,
1: uh, I do not. Of- it's probably high
2: it's 100%. There's no hard drive on the planet that doesn't crash, right? right. So it may be when it crashes, how it crashes, if it crashes, and, you know, et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they still, you know, still hard drives crash. I mean, there's no hard drive that lasts yeah. forever, right? So, right. Um, so, so at some point, it's going to crash, you know, and, and that's not even flood, fire, water damage, this, that, and the other thing. It's just that's what happens. By the way, they're laptops, they're in backpacks. You ever drop your backpack, right? Like, you know, sometimes you drop them, right? So, right. You, know, you know, things happen. So we don't want any kind of files being stored on the local machines at all, you know? And, and those really do need to be in cloud-based systems or server-based systems and stuff like that. So, you know, we do, we do um, during onboarding of our clients, we ask VIPs um, who, uh, who wants a local backup of their computer as well because some VIPs just refuse to save things in the centralized file storage solution and they save them on the desktop, et cetera. We're being realistic. We can install like a $5 a month solution like a crack plan or a Mosey. There's a lot of solutions like that. But right. this is not something that we recommend. This is something as an added layer, you know, for I people see. that really just you know, they can't break their habits.
1: Right. Well now, okay, you talked about servers and this may be a dumb question, but as far as cloud capacity in the world, is there just plenty of cloud capacity or is that that's related to the server supply right or I mean no the cloud
2: capacity is, is pretty much endless they just charge you I mean Microsoft and Google and, and Dropbox and, and Amazon and you know uh, all those big you know cloud companies you know I'm not worried about them running out of space
1: no but are they and but you still have to take, precautions, security precautions, even if whatever cloud service you're using, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And frankly, we have, so, so there's a solution called BATO SaaS BATO Software as a Service. So all of our clients that have that, uh, Office 365 and Google and Dropbox and all the things I just said, yeah. we still back that up. We still have a backup solution for that. Okay. So, so we're still backing that up to another third-party provider.
1: Okay, okay. All right, let's talk about small to medium-sized companies versus large companies. Do you feel, being a small company, I'm asking this, do you feel that there are plenty of adequate resources for smaller companies with smaller budgets?
2: I I absolutely think that all of this is doable on a small budget. I mean, the things that I mentioned are, like, for example, the phishing and security awareness training, you know, that's like $2 per person per month. Right. Oh, like wow. if you can't, you know, if you can't afford two dollars per person per month for you and your business um, to prevent major issues. Right. 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 Just talking risk versus return here.
1: Right. You know,
2: it, these are things that, um, you know, that 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 I think people need to reconsider. Right. It's, you know, you could, and
1: risk management, you could lose everything. One
2: hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. And and so that that's just one example. Right. Two factor authentication is free. You know, every solu- every email solution and file solution out there comes with it, just right. needs to be set up, right? Okay. And then, now managing all of that is typically, you know, you want to outsource that for a small business because, right. you know, but again, it comes down to the entrepreneur and, and you know, the business owner and the team, right? I, have, I know some entrepreneurs that want to do it themselves. I personally think that's very short-sighted, right? You know, that's like me managing my bookkeeping, right? So, right? so, every second I spend on anything else besides growing my business, working on the business, not in the business, is a mistake. Yes. So, so you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, or you know, I maybe call them call them entrepreneurs, right? You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of business owners out there that want to be hands on for everything. I don't think it's a good strategy, but. It's what it is, right? So, right. Um, you know, but then the ones that really work on the business, not in the business, they understand that there's ROI in what we do here, right? Like, for example, you know, we do the onboarding and offboarding of employees. You know, it's like when, when usually in a small business, when someone joins a company, the owner buys the computer, sets up the computer, sets up their email, sets up their files, sends them the computer, Right. Then when mm-hmm. someone gets fired, they lock them out of email, they lock them out of the phone, they lock them out of, you know, files, they lock them out of this, they lock them out of the CRM, they lock them out of QuickBooks, right? The owner is doing a lot of this, or, or the CFO or the COO. Meanwhile, right. it could be none of them, they could be focused on growing their business. Exactly. Which is I, I think is the right thing to do. So I, agree. I personally believe that people, you know, companies need to be thinking about what's the best ROI on their time. Right. so so that's one thing but even then it's just not that expensive it's just not like our minimum per month is nine hundred dollars a month for a small business right? right it's like you know i'm not and and you know those those tiny ones are not exactly our, our you know our ideal client you know we like you know bigger companies but it's right. so we have them we love them we treat them the yeah. same you know but but um you know i i guess yeah. you know it just it depends on the person's perspective
1: right but the resources are there. That's the answer. You answered my question. The resources are there for even for small, small companies and yeah, don't you don't could do it yourself.
2: That. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, um, all right. So let's go back and talk about compliance as an important part of cybersecurity and risk management. Can just explain to us what what your compliance business is and what it's about.
2: So uh, the compliance business is, it's kind of, you know, uh, crazy um, because it's a requirement for everyone. It's not like most fun thing to sell because unfortunately it's like a, 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 um, a cost, right? Um, so, um, you know, the, the, um, how do I, so, so you've heard of HIPAA, right? HIPAA yeah. is the healthcare, you know, so that's like probably the most common form of compliance. It's a privacy act. So the Privacy Act that enforces businesses to make sure that they treat PHI, personal and healthcare information, very specifically, right? Like you can't, okay. you know, you know, people aren't allowed to see the PHI, right? People aren't allowed to, um, uh, you know, send PII, PHI, right, in certain ways without seeing, okay. it, right? So it has to be encrypted, this that, and the other thing, right? So, um, so, so it, it's reading data, you know, and and taking care of data in, in, in certain ways and whatnot, right? So so that that's like the most basic example. But now privacy has become a crazy topic because like in 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 New York, there's something called the Shield Act. It's called Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data Act. And that's a privacy act just for New York. In California, they have the California Consumer Protection Act. That's a privacy act for California, Texas has DXCPA and you know all these states have different privacy acts, right? Um, That's kind of
1: crazy. That's kind of crazy.
2: crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's like
1: federal, good federal privacy acts. That was kind of my question. You know, how good are the laws? You know, and and how does that work if a company's has offices all over, but they're headquartered in Alabama or something? I mean, that's crazy.
2: um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's. uh, but uh, yeah, so so I mean, well, so like you said, the federal government—if they, you know, do, well, they they haven't touched much that has gone well, in, in in, you know, so I don't know if I want them having the the, the federal Privacy Act, right? <laughs> okay. So you Be know, fair. so so I, but but with that said, it doesn't mean the states are doing that much better, I guess, right? So right. um But the, but the thing is, this is in some places this is just a you know they, a money maker for them, right? They can fine companies for not treating you know data you know properly uh-huh. and stuff like that, so. And, yeah. you know, now now that, you know, everyone's broke, um, you know, uh, uh, th- this is sort of like, um, uh, you sad. know, hopefully, no, no, I think the opposite. I think it's going to pick up. You
0: okay. know, I think
2: now that all the states are broke and federal government's broke and they need to make some money, I, I wouldn't be surprised. If, like in New York, nobody got fined for not being shield compliant. At least I don't know anyone that's gotten fined for being shield. Yeah. compliant. Right. Yeah. Will it pick up? Maybe <laughs> actually um there's talk that there's going to be a uh, NYPA the New York Privacy Act because uh the governor's office apparently wasn't talking to the mayor's office and they both were creating one at the same time which oh, is really yeah. it's amazing it's amazing right yeah that um, is amazing yeah, yeah yeah so so uh so that's that's uh that's one thing um, yeah you know uh, so so what else was i going to say so um, but compliance doesn't stop there. Right. You know, yeah. so they have what's called like stock two, which is financial compliance, which um, you know, is a big one. ISO 27001, which is technology compliance. Um, GDPR is really big. It's the European union's privacy act. And if you want to do business in Europe, you have to be GDPR compliant.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt, but I did want to ask a question about that in my head. I, I, I think that the EU has stronger privacy protections than in the U.S. Is that true or false?
2: Is that, that, what? Is that...
1: I, my, my? I think that the EU has stronger privacy compliance laws than in the U.S.
2: Well, they have GDPR. Well, GDPR is a beast. And, and, you know, yeah. you know, the European Union did send out billions and billions of dollars of fines and it freaked everyone out. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: so, um, so what I would say, so, so yeah, that GDPR was, was, was kind of crazy. And it's been four or five years that that's been around. I think it slowed down a little bit. I think small businesses realized that they were really just going after huge companies and trying to send major fines. Um mm-hmm but uh but but yeah that was that was kind of a, a crazy one you know there's other compliance that people um you know are getting um uh really um frustrated about one of the popular ones is the ADA um the disabilities act yep. Um, yep. you know fines so like if certain websites don't have like the you know uh, uh, the ability to read the website out loud you have these troll lawyers that send these thousands of dollars of fines to all these websites that's in america and you know, you have restaurants that if they don't have a, um, you know, a ramp going into their restaurant, they get fined for ADA compliance, right? And, yeah. you know, so, so there's compliance, you know, there's tons of compliance. Compliance doesn't end, right? And, and, that's, right. And, and some of those, like, we don't really do a lot of ADA compliance. It's not really falls into the technology sector, but, but a lot, there's compliance everywhere, right? Um, yeah. so, so me, so, so understanding what compliance that your business, you know, has to comply to you know, is the first step. And then after that, it's going to a company like us and saying, hey, we need to be GDPR, GDPR compliant. Can you help us with it? Right. Or, Absolutely. you know, in some scenarios it's, a, so my, you know, when, when, when I started the conversation, I was telling you about how, like, I don't love selling compliance because it's just a sunk cost because people aren't happy to buy it. But sometimes it's actually a sales tool. Now, what happens is, is that the biggest place that people are getting compliance requirements from are their biggest clients. Now that that okay. I have some fun with, that I have some fun with, because as a business owner, I really want there to be ROI on the sale. That, like on, on, on my in my IT business, right. I know we're going to help the business make money back because right. I know we're going to increase their productivity. I know we're going to take stuff off their plate. Right. I know their business is going to grow because we're going to help them. Right. I love right. it. I love it. On the <laughs> compliance side, it's hard to love that unless. We're doing it to help them do sales, which is very, very often.
0: Awesome.
2: So what right. happens is you got this small business. By the way, I have five person companies. Like I have a five person marketing company. And they came to me and they said, My clients are Facebook, Verizon, and and, and BBC. And they just send me all these compliance requirements about cybersecurity and technology. And if I don't get these filled, I'm gonna lose the client. Right. And, and I say, all yeah. right, no problem. We'll, we'll help you. Right. So, yeah. by the way, half of the form they sent you, you can write not applicable. So calm down. Not <laughs> applicable, not applicable, not applicable. They think they have to do all these things. Right. Good. So first, yeah. it's calm down. Right. Now, the second part of it is, um, you know, uh, uh, all right, now we'll get you those things that you need. And by the way, the things that they need are guess what? It's the things that I talked about earlier, which are easily achievable. They're easily achievable. Now, of course, they need a couple of policies and procedures and a couple of write-ups and this, that, and the other thing, right? Um, but they don't need all the stuff that the clients are telling them they need. Unfortunately, they do. They may need an advocate. We call it a fractional CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. Our most popular sale at GRC, my cybersecurity compliance company, is the virtual CISO offering, which is basically a... Um, a, uh, uh, you know, what we call is a, um, a, a fractional CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, okay. right? Okay. So, so what that is, is basically, um, you know, uh, 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 10 hours a month, 25 hours a month, 50 hours a month of having a CISO be a part of your C-suite, the Chief Information Security Officer. Most of these businesses don't need a $300,000 employee. Right? right that's the, the information security officer right. so right. 10 hours a month might cut it for a small business right okay so, so that that's sale i kind of like because we're really adding a ton of value to the business and helping them close that. deals with these big big clients right. so i like that right but right. the rest of it you know the the other thing about compliance in, in the mo- one of the most popular things that we do is called penetration testing and this is kind of a fun sexy business so we have 30 penetration testers 10 of them are called certified they are Certified ethical hackers. So they are certified. I was going
1: to say, they're hackers. Yeah, they're, they're professional they're hackers. they're hackers.
2: They're professional hackers, but they're certified and they have licenses. Right. Now, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in law, you have to take what's called continuing, you know, CLEs, right? Continuing Correct. legal education. And in accounting, you have to take CPEs and, 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 and architects have to take continuing education. Well, certified ethical hackers have to take continuing education, too, or they mm-hmm. lose their license right? Good. So it's Good. the same idea. It's the same idea. So, um, so they are licensed and whatnot, and, and they lead the, uh, the pen testing team. So, um, And we have a 98% success rate with penetration testing, which means wow. we're going to get in, and we're going to show you how we got in, and we're going to show you what the holes are, and, and you got to remediate the holes.
1: Oh, wow. That's cool. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so um, I just, I just want to ask this question. Uh, This is kind of a civilian question. Thinking about the largest corporations, thinking specifically about the big box retailers uh, as protecting our privacy as a consumer. Do you feel like these largest corporations are doing what they need to do today? I mean, it's been- I can't
2: tell you. I can't tell you. I mean, you you hear about tax all the time. I mean- I, the short answer is yes. You know, I do. I do think the biggest companies are all, you know, ISO 27001 certified, SOC 2 certified. They're all probably doing it. But guess what? It takes one email that one person clicks on, right? That all of a sudden causes like what's called a data breach, right? God. You know, you have some of the biggest. There was a, there's a company called Okta, which is a big, big security company um, that in 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 our business in IT yes. and they had a quote-unquote hacker um, send screenshots of themselves being in quote-unquote in the system, Gosh. and and this security company, you know, frankly, they they do everything quote-unquote right, but an end user clicked on a button, they let someone in their system, right? Yeah. And they and and they like they showed them all these things, right? Yeah. And it made it made them look really bad. Now did they wind up getting passwords, taking data, you know, stealing information, you know, seeing credit cards. I don't know if they saw any of that stuff, but it sure did hurt their reputation.
1: Exactly, right? exactly.
2: So, so not everything you read, you can believe and, you yeah. know, and, 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 and a lot of times, just unfortunately, this is end users letting stuff into the systems that are not preventable. But, you know, yeah. the best companies, have endpoint detection and response, right? And they don't let it kind of escalate. That's the right, issue.
1: Right, right. Um, aside from Russia and China, which are just you know known for be, having you know big groups of hackers, what are some other countries that you know of that are you know just?
2: I don't know the answer to that. I don't believe yeah. everything I read. I, I mean, I think there's both internally, externally. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I can't. Are agree. they all I, mean, I
0: there
2: I, I don't even know if it's Russia or China or anyone or North Korea. I think that's really fun. Uh, you know, I don't think they can trace where the the hack is coming from. They use VPNs. I think that's kind of silly. So, you know, oh. I'm not really. I'm not really buying any of that. Okay. I mean, all I'm right. sure there are. I'm sure there are. But I, I, I don't. I don't.
1: I don't you know, okay. Okay. Um. Well, if it's on
2: CNN and many of these major news channels about hacking, you could just basically believe it's not true. Um, you know, it's that's just, you know, just kind of silly stuff.
1: OK. All right. Yeah, that's, that's just the, those are the sexy stories that everybody listens to. So I don't and, and it situation. makes
2: me a ton of money, so I guess I'll let them keep doing it. but. <laughs> you know it's just silly right
1: you know okay okay yeah what we're talking about is what you can do to protect yourself and that's what matters so um well how about let's uh, end on a few of your stories that you know maybe examples of some risky situations that were that you addressed or you know some crazy stories of of uh you know, companies having to protect themselves, whatever. We'd love to hear some of your stories. Um,
2: well, I mean, look, some of the, you know, mostly everything comes from phishing and spoofing of a fake email or this and that. I mean, the yeah. most common one I've seen and it happens all the time is, is you know, the intercepting the down payment of a home or a large check or a large wire. So bookkeeping companies, real estate law firms are heavy targets, right? Because what happens is, is, I've seen it before firsthand, unfortunately. Yeah. Two-factor authentication is not set up. You got a hacker, let's call it a hacker, that goes goes into a lawyer's mailbox and waits and waits and waits and waits. And then all of a sudden they see the home got sold or the large payment of something is being transferred. And now all of a sudden they do what's called, they set up rules and filters in the inbox. Right. So now they set up a filter that says anything going from let's use the, the home, for example, anything coming from the bank or the home buyer to the lawyer doesn't go to the doesn't go to the inbox. It skips the inbox and goes to a folder called ZZ. So it's at like the bottom of the folder list. Right. So okay. now the person in front of their computer doesn't see these emails anymore. Now, the other way, anything that I send to the banker or the home buyer also doesn't go out anymore. So now this, this, uh, uh, this hacker intercepts the emails and changes the routing number and the account number of the down payment, and they go back and forth. The worst time I ever saw it, I'm not going to name the bank. Granted, this was like three, four years, no, probably like five, six years ago at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But this banker said on an email, something is really fishy about this routing number. Can you please call me? Now the lawyer's not even seeing the emails anymore because they were getting filtered out, right? Now yeah, it's the, okay. hack- the hacker sees the emails. So the hacker writes back, nothing's fishy, send it over. The banker says, no, 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 you know, you have to call us, you have to authenticate, blah, blah, blah. The hacker, who's pretending to be the lawyer, I watched this with my own eyes, right? Emails-, emails back and says, nothing fishy about this. If you don't send the money, you're going to lose the house, right? There were 20 emails back and forth to this tune. And yeah. the banker, instead of the banker saying, this is more fishy, they said, I guess it's fine, I'll send the wire. <gasps> 250 grand, right? Good
1: lord. So
2: that's one time, and it happens a lot. Another thing that I saw was um, I've seen a, a guy that was a client in the middle of the night had a printer issue, small business, um, you know, he, uh, he had a printer issue. He didn't want to quote unquote, bother us, It's not a bother, you know, he should have bothered us. So he Googles Canon printer support. The first number he sees he calls, right? So the hacker, you know, so the, the person jumps on the fine, Canon printer support, how can I help you? Right? So he says, Oh, you know, I'm having trouble printing. He says, okay, go to this website and click on this button. So he goes to the website, he clicks on the button, and he lets the person on the computer. The hacker, let's call it a hacker, I mean, but these these are not sophisticated hackers. So he's sharing
1: his screen? He's sharing his screen. screen, Right, Okay. And he gives
2: them access to his computer. Not only is he (gasps) sharing his screen, but he lets them control the screen, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a command you can run that locks the keyboard and mouse, right? So this person knew how to run this tool. Let's call it a command. It locks the keyboard and mouse. And he he goes into the desktop, and on the desktop, there's a file. Guess what the file's called?
1: No telling.
2: Passwords. Ah! Right? So he emails the file to himself. Luckily, there was only a couple passwords on. He emails the file to himself and leaves the computer. Now, all of a sudden, my client at the time, this is, again, probably six, seven years ago, is looking at the screen and going, what the hell was that? right yeah so called us freaks out we say you got to change all those passwords right away right yeah and hopefully that's the end of it right right you know so so these are some of the things that i've seen firsthand unfortunately yeah. um right. i've seen click on a link they go to a website it looks exactly like american express's website it looks yeah. exactly like hsp's website it looks exactly like all these websites right right and people start to put in their username and password you know, they, they now they can fake two-factor authentication by sending, now give me your code, you know, they're staying with it, right? So, um, you know, even with two-factor authentication, right? Because you could go to that fake website, put in the username and password, right? Now the person gets an email saying, what was the code that you just got, right? They put yeah. in the code that they just got. Now on the other side, they're on the real website putting in the code, right? So, you know, there's these second layers now that they can do. So you can't, you can't, you you know, you could fall for everything. Right. So when in doubt, call your bank on the, you know, they say call the back of the card, right. Right. You know, when in doubt, call your bookkeeper, when in doubt, call your banker, when in doubt, just don't even just call, just call, just call. And that's what it says on a lot of this security awareness training.
1: Good. Good. Of
2: course, I have more examples, but I see that we're running up against the cost. I know.
1: I know. So what we're going to do, Danny, is um, on, this epi- on the episode page, we'll have your website and, uh, you know, a link to your website. And uh, so people can know how to reach you and talk to your company. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think it's a really important topic and you really helped, you know, walk us through some of the things that we maybe weren't clear about so thank you very much
2: no no of course my pleasure and anyone who's listening or for you any follow-up questions just let me know um you know my my email is dm uh well it's probably easier to just put in danny mizrahi um contango in google and or linkedin and it'll come up um danny mizrahi contango um and happy to answer any questions
1: great great and like i said we'll provide a uh, a link as well so you know um to our listeners we'd love to get a conversation going about this episode it's so interesting and uh you know also general discussions about exporting please reach out to me on exportstoriespodcast.com um there you'll find all of our current and past podcasts uh, available so um Yeah, this was really interesting. And you can ask questions or post comments on the episode page. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. We are creating a community of exporters here. So please let your voice be heard. Thank you again, Danny, for being here. My pleasure. Thank you
2: for having me. Thank you so much.
1: And thanks to all our
0: listeners. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting.